Hello and welcome to Trending Pet Food, the industry podcast where we cover all the latest hot topics and trends in pet food. I'm your host and editor of Pet Food Industry Magazine, Lindsay Beaton, and I'm here today live at SuperZoo 2022 with two guests, Vice President of Marketing North America for Mondi Consumer Flexible Packaging, Bill Keeker, and Market Development Manager for Presto Products Company's Fresh Lock Business Unit, Tom Morsheimer. Bill, Tom, thanks for being here. Glad to be here. Thank you, Lindsay. Great to be here. Before we get started, here's some background on my guests. Bill has spent 27 years in packaging with a passion for understanding what drives American consumers and the brands that serve them, and creating innovative solutions to meet their current and future needs. He has worked for leading global packaging companies with responsibilities within sales, innovation, business development, market research, and strategic marketing. Tom has been a member of the packaging community for over 23 years, and his extensive experience is rooted in his diverse technical background. Tom began his career in the packaging supporting manufacturing operations at Tenneco Packaging in the late 1990s. He joined the specialty products division at Pactive Corporation in 2001 as an automation specialist working on leading edge product and process development for flexible packaging closer technology. Tom has collaborated on many notable market first innovations over the span of his career in applications ranging from consumer food to pet care to household chemical. Mondi is a global leader in packaging and paper, contributing to a better world by making innovative packaging and paper solutions that are sustainable by design. The business is integrated across the value chain, from managing forests and producing pulp, paper, and plastic films to developing and manufacturing effective industrial and consumer packaging solutions. Sustainability is at the center of the company's strategy and intrinsic in the way they do business. Freshlock from Presto Specialty Products is a leader in flexible packaging closures. Presto is a business unit of Reynolds Consumer Products. Bill and Tom's experience in all things packaging, as well as their knowledge of a recent Mondi-conducted study on pet consumer trends and behaviors, make them the perfect team to answer today's question. What do pet owners really want out of their pet food packaging? We are going to do a deep dive into a lot of different aspects of packaging, but the question I want to start with is, what do consumers consider most important when considering their pet food packaging? Well, that's a great question. Monty conducts uh, research directly with consumers regularly exactly to understand that. And the most recent premium consumer research was 750 consumers across the U.S. What was most important for consumers across pet food is what we would expect. First off is they want a brand they can trust and product that their pet will love. But when you look specifically from a packaging standpoint, what was most important was readability and nutrition information on the package. It was the features, the ability to have freshness. And one of the increasing things we've seen versus previous studies is the importance of easy open and the importance of pouring and serving out of a package. This is especially important to new consumers, to consumers who got their first pet within the last couple of years. Why the growth and the shift to more convenient ways of pouring? Because back in the day, it was like 40-pound bags, and you just kind of dug in a cup and poured it into a bowl. And is it because people are living differently? Is it because they're on the go? How much of it is demographics, and how much of it is just technology catching up to what people see as the baseline for convenience? 
I think it's with consumers, there's never one simple answer. It's a combination of things. But as we look at consumers and their lifestyle right now, and we look at the time-starved nature of it, also realize that pet food for consumers is an emotional purchase and it's something with, that's a nurturing cue for consumers. They're trying to take care of their pet and that's really important to them. They want a brand and experience that reflects that. They realize pet food is expensive when they're purchasing in the premium category or they often perceive it as such and they're certainly willing to do that to take care of the ones that they love and most notably their pets in this case. But they do want that experience to feel premium. And that reclosability, the ease of it, fits within the hectic lifestyle and fits the premium mindset that they want for this purchase. Yeah, Lindsay, as Bill pointed out, reclosability is a really important feature right behind the clear nutritional information for pet owners. The packaging has to have the ability to keep the product fresh for the lifespan of use. It's to maintain product freshness. The reclose features, the ability to, to protect the product, lends itself to the overall experience for pet parents. So it sounds like consumers want both form and function, which is not surprising given the demands from pet owners these days. How is what they want matching up with the realities of today's pet food packaging? Where is packaging going right and where is it still maybe falling a little short in terms of people's expectations? I think there's one other thing that's key that we should talk about where consumers are at in this premium purchase and that is where they're at from a sustainability side. Although it did not come as the number one or number two reasons that they're looking for in packaging, it is absolutely key to what they think about the brands they trust. They expect brands to have their values and sustainability is a key item. And in fact, 8% of consumers do say that they would change the brand that they purchase if an alternate brand was in a sustainable package. So obviously that's a significant number for all of us uh, in the industry. So what's our scorecard? If we say, what are we doing as an industry versus that? Mondi just recently did research to understand that. We went across the country and we captured at an SKU level, we captured exactly what is the footprint the brands are offering today. So what's out there versus what consumers want. And we found a gap. We found that only about half of packaging of the SKUs of pet food, both dog and cat, that was dry kibble in this case. So we looked specifically at dry foods. And within dry foods, only about half of them had a reclose option. Sustainability, only 4% of packages had a sustainability claim. So there is a significant gap to what consumers say or is important to them versus what we're currently delivering. Yeah, but I think the sustainability conversation is a really important one to have, and this is impacting all markets. It's not just exclusive to the pet care industry. What we really need to do here is move away from the traditional linear economy where we make, take, and then the end of life for those products is typically landfill, and we need to move more to a circular economy where the reuse of materials or the recycling of materials is paramount to achieving that circular packaging economy. 
when we talk about sustainability, it's really important because consumers really want the sustainable efforts of their of the brands that they purchase to reflect their own values. So we're going to see an increasing amount of sustainability claims, and it's going to be really important to the younger generations, especially Gen Zs, are taking a much harder look and will be putting quite a bit more pressure on brands to really move the needle when it comes to their sustainability efforts. We're already there, so let's keep going into sustainability because I've heard a lot this year so far about how we need to switch to a circular economy when it comes to packaging and when it comes to our business in general. There are a lot of challenges in making that happen. Where does everybody need to start? Because a lot of people are trying to do a lot of different things to make this happen, but it is so complex, especially when we've been doing it a certain way for so long and things have gradually been getting more sustainable and more recyclable, but there's still a lot of limitations in terms of the technology available, accessibility of recyclability. Where is the industry and where does it really need to go next? Sustainability initiatives have been part of the landscape for quite a few years now, but it's really becoming much more critical and many companies and many brands and retailers have set sustainability goals for as early as 2025, which is right around the corner. So the applied focus is really getting amped up in the market. Traditionally, when we think about sustainability efforts, if you look at the waste management hierarchy, it's about reducing the amount of materials. So that's really where it started a few decades ago, you know, is reducing materials and flexible packaging has always lent itself to a reduction in materials versus traditional rigid format. But now we need to start looking at how do we close the loop for the end of life of these products and look at reuse or recycling of materials. So you're starting to see a shift now from multi-material film structures into mono-material film structures. So the technology is growing and the investment is there, but there's a lot of challenges that go along with that. Primarily, these materials don't process the same as traditional multi-materials. So there's a lot of engineering going on. Everybody wants to make sure that we're making the least amount of environmental impact there, but they're not willing to sacrifice the conveniences and the performances that we've gotten out of these traditional materials. So there's a lot of development going on as we look to move into monomaterial structures, which would allow for the collection and recycling. I would say the biggest gap we have is not so much on the supply side, it's more on what do we do with these materials after they've been used? How do consumers collect these materials? What do they do with them? That's where we have a lot of challenges in the marketplace right now. Based on your survey and just based on what you've been seeing, do you think there's kind of a cognitive dissonance between what consumers say they want and then what they will actually do right now presented with the opportunity? So they want sustainable packaging or recyclable, but then it's still a lot of work to recycle a lot of these materials. And they might just not know because a lot of us went through the 90s with reduce, reuse, recycle, and they made it sound so simple. And now we're realizing that it's actually a pretty complex thing for all of these materials, especially when you're dealing with food, and particularly when you're dealing with food. Is there, in the survey data, a kind of cognitive dissonance, or do their realities and expectations match up within themselves? Actually, with consumers, when you look at what they're wanting on sustainability, they've been pretty clear and consistent over the last several years. Here's some data from the actual research. Consumers that have had PET for less than one year, 30% said it's important to them in choosing a brand that the flexible plastic is sustainable. 30% said that's an important thing to them. 
They say 28% said certifications and logos for sustainable packaging is important to them. Recyclability, 33% said icons and logos are useful to them as they're making their decisions. So the consumers are clear. I think just reiterating a bit, following up on what Tom said, is the challenge on the brands is this is hard. This is difficult. And our commitment as an industry, what can we do to make sustainability happen without asking brands and consumers to compromise? And that's about, first, brands clearly understanding and defining what their goals are. And brands are making a lot of progress on that. They have their statements and approaches through their organizations to say this is what sustainability means to us and what our goals are. And then second, it's working consultatively with your packaging company to understand what, if any, trade-offs are required to reach your goals and to minimize that. And those can be on cost, they can be on recyclability, they can be on machinability and efficiency of operations, they could be on critical consumer attributes. One thing we don't think about as an industry is that the monomaterials that we're trading to, monomaterial polyethylene, is more extensible. That's a fancy way of saying it's stretchier. It's harder to print. So we already said to consumers that the most important thing for them is clear nutrition information on a package. If we're not cautious as we make these change, we could have the potential to sacrifice what's most important to our consumers. Is that ability to understand our product, read what's on the package, also shelf appearance. Consumers have an experience that they attrate a stiff, stand-up, easy-to-read package as being fresh. That's also something we don't want to trade off and a sacrifice consumers should not have to make when they're making this journey towards sustainability. So especially with some companies wanting to get things sorted by 2025, and I'm also hearing 2025 all over the place, and it's only three years away. That's five minutes in our world. It's right around the corner, so it's coming very quickly. I think another important aspect is consumers are going to play a huge role in this, and it really needs to come through education. They're going to need clear understanding of how to treat these materials for post-consumer. A lot of recyclers require these materials to be clean and dry. What exactly does that mean, or how do we achieve that? So labeling is playing a critical role in sustainability initiatives. So you have the How to Recycle program that sort of gives consumers a clear understanding of whether it's recyclable, can it go into curbside pickup, or does it need to go to store drop-off? All of that sort of information is going to play a critical role in, in how things move in the future when it comes to recapturing these materials. What is consumer awareness on these types of programs right now, and what is the industry responsibility to make that education accessible versus figuring out if the consumers who are interested will find the information on their own? I think the brand responsibility is going to increase. So are you familiar with the term EPR? It stands for Extended Producer Responsibility. This is something that's growing in the marketplace and there's going to be a lot more pressure on brands on uh, what materials they're using and they need to play a much larger role in the end-of-life processes for a lot of their packaging. We're also seeing legislation 
is going to start to play a big role in the packaging that we use. In the UK, there was a new law that just went into effect in April of this year that requires products that are sold within the UK to have 30% post-consumer content in them. And that includes anything that's produced domestically or that's imported into the country. So in order for that to work, there needs to be reliable supply chain for clean post-consumer materials, which is a challenge in its own. I'd like to add to that as well. Yes, we have a responsibility individually as companies and together as an industry to make sure that the consumers do know what the options are and what they can do. And we're meeting that challenge. For brands that require more information, ask your packaging suppliers. We have that information can help you sort through how this is impactful in your particular case. Also, our associations are doing a great job. They're stepping up to the plate, be that pet associations or packaging associations, and they have great information that would help a brand who wants to tell the story do it accurately and consistently. Let's talk a little bit more about the relationship between companies like your guys's and the brands that you work with because in terms of pet food consumers you're not necessarily consumer facing like your information is out there and you're on the bags but in terms of who pet owners are going to be looking towards for education they're going to be looking towards the brands so what can brands do your customers to help you help them That's a great question. We actually have a process exactly for that. We've developed a collaborative process that helps brands ask the right questions. We ask them actually to do homework before we meet. What are their goals? What are their approaches? What's more important? What's their timelines? How they would do that? And then we work jointly on a plan. This is how can we execute that without compromise from the brand standpoint, from the consumer standpoint, and then we also have the support to be able to say how can you communicate that what information is available to assist you in communication i think really deep collaboration and tom i think i'd stand for your organization as well we stand ready to help we've been working on this a long time we've been working globally across one of the other things i think that is europe in many cases is further down this path than North American brands. So especially those packaging organizations such as Tom and mine that work globally, we have real world examples of where this has worked, what we learned from those lessons and we can apply them to situations uh, here in the North America. Absolutely, Bill. Collaboration is going to be key to success. And we've seen this time and time again projects, successes, or sustainability initiatives, or whatever the uh, objectives may be, we really need to be collaborating clearly and across the entire supply chain. In many cases, Presto, we collaborate with Mondi, and we also work with the brand owners as well to come up with the solutions that meets the needs of the brands and consumers. How often are you finding that you're having to talk brands down a little bit from anything pie in the sky? Like where are brand expectations right now because of the feedback they're getting from consumers or their perceptions of pet owner trends versus what you can actually do based on the reality? Do they consider the fact that a new material might impact the way things are printed on the bag? Or is that something that you're having to educate brands on? before they can even turn around and think about educating consumers. Brands are aggressively on this journey. 
they're trying to do this from a sustainability standpoint. It's a hard journey for them. We've learned a lot in the journey ourselves since we've commercialized these technologies. I think there's misinformation as well as information out there and brands have to sort this through, but it is not easy to understand necessarily what some of the challenges are. So sustainable materials, as Tom mentioned earlier, and there's reasons we weren't using these materials in the last 40 years, right? So there is compromises that are possible. There's different sealing windows, so you have to process them differently. There's difference in how they print. There's difference in their stiffness and how they appear on a shelf. There's difference in how you apply features to them, such as easy open, reclosable features and others. It truly does take a dedicated team to work through this. And it takes a team at the brand, and it takes a team that is working with a packaging supplier who understands and has experience with those challenges as they go. Yeah, Lindsay, I don't think it's so much that we have to talk brands off of the ledge because they're coming to us, they're pushing their supply chain to the limits, but they're pushing us in multiple directions all at the same time. They want us to do the research and to do the legwork to validate a lot of these alternative paths for sustainability so that when it comes time to commercialize these options, they have a menu of different paths that they can take. We're doing all of the research and all of the legwork behind the scenes. I think this really goes back to, it's really the risk of the brands falls onto their shoulders. It's not so much they're asking for something that we can't deliver, it's we have many solutions that we can offer. There's such a wide range and there's new materials being developed every day. Something that we really didn't touch upon too much, but compostable packaging is becoming more relevant and flexible as well. When you look at the circular economy, compostables don't necessarily complete the loop, but they leave the circle not as waste. So you're diverting waste from landfills. So there are opportunities there as well, and there's a lot of development going on with bioplastics, plant-based resins that come from renewable resources. There's a lot going on outside of just monomaterial of the traditional petrochemicals such as polyethylene and polypropylene. There's also a lot of development going on with bio-based plastics that will biodegrade when put into appropriate environments. Are there any unique challenges in some of these new technologies, compostable and things like that, that are unique to packaging food? Because it feels like a package that's fully biodegradable might have some additional challenges in keeping food fresh or safe or meeting the standards that you need for that kind of thing. So are there different challenges going down these various sustainability roads when it comes to packaging and are there some that are more desirable than others? There's definitely challenges, Lindsay. And just to clarify a little bit, I use the term biodegradable. So there's a difference between biodegradable and compostable, just to sort of level the playing field there. But food in general, maybe not pet food necessarily, but certain food applications actually lend themselves to compostable packaging initiatives because recyclers want packaging to be clean and dry. Industrial composters actually, they don't necessarily want the packaging materials, but they want what's left over in the packaging materials. They want the food residues and the crumbs. That all enables the composting process with microorganisms. Another thing that to consider, certainly you can't get the product protection out of a lot of these emerging materials right now that you can get out of traditional structures. But I think what brands are starting to do is taking a close look at their 
across at an SKU level, what's the right package for my product? You know, it goes to right sizing. I don't need a package that's going to protect the product for the next generation. There's obviously a delicate balance there. Packaging has to withstand a lot through the packaging process, distribution, shelving, all of that sort of stuff. So there's a lot of work being done to sort of let's not just choose one path for all of our products, let's take a close look at the different formulations, the different food requirements, the protection requirements, and let's right size our packaging so that we're not adding additional waste or using additional materials that aren't bringing any value. Food has some unique challenges associated with protecting the product. If we look at a life cycle impact, life cycle analysis of pet food, the energy and what's taken to produce the food is key and to the consumers they need freshness and the fact that their pet loves the product is the most critical thing that they're looking at. So there are some challenges also from a food standpoint when we're looking at sustainable packaging you have to look at grease resistance in addition to barrier. Tom talked about clean and dry and, and the ability to do that and it does make it challenging specifically in pet food we have to do something that few other parts of consumer packaging have to do. We have to do all those things right and we have to do it for a 30 pound package. And that's a challenge that none of our brethren across other parts of consumer packaging face. So we've accepted that challenge. We're commercially out there with sustainable packages that do meet that challenge without compromise. But it continues to be a journey. I know that we could spend another 30 minutes at least on e-commerce and how that affects packaging and the needs for shelf life and stability and just being able to withstand the wear and tear of transport. I don't want to get too much into the weeds on it, but we can't ignore it entirely. So while we're talking about the different needs of different types of packaging, where is e-commerce in all of this and things like subscription services and Chewy or Amazon sending people these massive sized bags and how to get them through from start to finish all in one piece. What are some of the unique challenges when it comes to the e-commerce side of things? Well, e-commerce is certainly growing as far as pet food. And uh, just a couple brief challenges. Our customers are working on how they can optimize their existing packaging. There is a desire to maintain one package that can fit across all segments and features and work well in the e-commerce. On e-commerce, optimizing it is optimizing the shipping in many cases. So they're working on bag sizes, they're working on bag approaches that really optimize that expense that's inherent with working with the e-commerce model and the shipping as it goes. It's interesting on consumers within premium pet food on e-commerce is they're a little different than consumers in some other e-commerce channels. Our research conducted show that e-commerce consumers skewed to be older than other consumers. They also skewed to be very, very loyal. When we look at e-commerce in pet food, again, where consumers are making their initial choices and doing trial is many times when they just acquire a pet, especially people that are in their first pet, and they're doing it within a retail store. That's where trial happens. So those appearance features, those things on how satisfied they are with the initial purchase, and it's not just appearance. We talk about that, but it's appearance through the use life of the package. So when you have a 30-pound package and you have a small dog, 
the use life, that easy open, the reclosable features has to work for a long time. It has to do its job. We've had plausible reclosability in the past, but expectations in a premium category is the features be it easy open, be it easy to carry, or be it reclosability work over the entire use of the package. There is other advantages that occur with this reclosability with a brand that we did not talk about. And many consumers is what they choose to do when they're purchasing large. If it does not have a reclosability feature, they dump it into a secondary container. Be that in their utility room, be that in their garage or whatever. So it works well for the consumer side, but what happens on the brand side when that happens is that consumer loses the identity of what they purchased. If you dump 50 pounds into that and you don't purchase for three or four weeks and you send your husband or daughter or son or wife or whoever out to purchase, you've lost that loyalty that you had. So to the extent that brands can have these large packages that maintain identity throughout the entire use life, and the reclosability is the key to that, that's going to be a major driver for being able to maintain loyalty. What we've been doing at Freshlock is there's not a one-size-fits-all. The pet market is fairly broad in terms of size and format. So what we've been focused on is really, it goes back to the right sizing or the fit-for-use application of a lot of our closures. Something that we're seeing a big trend in the marketplace right now is interactive closures. And these would be closures that offer some sort of feedback to consumers that gives them that affirmation that they've secured the product properly and that they've protected the food. So audible tactile zippers or otherwise commonly known as clicky zippers. This is something that's becoming more and more prominent in the marketplace. Not only does it needs to function and do its primary job of protecting the food, but also we feel that some of these products offer sort of a, a fun, interactive experience with the packaging, which also helps to drive that brand loyalty. Two things I wanted to touch upon going back to your question about e-commerce, and Bill spoke about a little bit, you know, e-commerce definitely presents a lot of additional challenges that we don't get through brick and mortar retail chain. And looking at the data that Mondi and Dow collected in 2021, the number one deal breaker for consumers is torn, ripped, or leaky packaging. We've all had this experience with e-commerce, no matter what we're purchasing, when you open up the box or the primary container, if you find that the product is damaged or there's leaking in there, that's going to be a huge deal breaker. So the amount of protection that may be required for e-commerce could be a little bit higher or a little bit more critical when it comes to e-commerce because obviously if there's a torn package on a store shelf, it's going to get removed by the retailer or consumers just won't even look at it to begin with. Something else that's really important is the opening, that moment of truth for consumers. 9% of consumers, a deal breaker for them is having to use scissors or some other type of cutting tool to access the product. There's many reclose options that have easy open features incorporated into them as well. Let me build on Tom's statements a, a little bit. That's exactly right. One of the other e-commerce challenges associated when you're talking about breakage and packaging, we talked about some of the compromises with sustainability. The challenge of monomaterials is they have a tendency to not have the resistance to breakage. And when you're doing a 30-pound package optimized for e-commerce, that's something that's critical. I had a consumer in one of our research open-ended. I'm talking to him for a couple of hours. And she looks at me and says, nobody wants kibble on the parking lot. And that's a key driver. When we're engineering these solutions, 
and we talk about the complexity, that strength that we talk about so it could work for a brand, whether they are e-commerce or in traditional retail and all the challenges with it, is complex, but it's a lot of joy when you get it right. Well, we have definitely covered a lot of ground, and I think as an industry, we're very much in the thick of things. There's a lot to figure out. There are a lot of companies jumping on this journey and in various aspects of the journey. How do you think the interplay between what consumers are demanding and pet food packaging will play out in the next few years? How much longer are we going to be in the thick of things before it comes to some kind of stability? Or should we not even aim for stability? Should we just aim for continuing forward and getting better and better? I certainly have a goal of sustainability, but I think continuous improvement is probably our realistic goal. It's consumers are dynamic, and we need to measure that. Also, we're in a hyper-competitive industry, so brands have an awful lot of incentive to get this right, and they're working hard at it. Brands are certainly engaged with the future of their packaging. We've got resources that we never had before to address these things, but it's often is customized solutions. It's not necessarily, we'd like to think that we can purchase X, Y, or Z, and it fits all of our problems. But this is a complex problem, and as we've spoken before, we need consultative solutions where we understand all of the issues associated and collectively go forward with what's important to us. We've used the word challenge a lot during this interview, but I try to look at it more in a positive light that we're really seeing a renaissance period in packaging right now. There's more investment into innovation and alternative materials going on now than I've ever seen in my entire career. It can be very frustrating at times because there is no one single path that's going to solve all the world's problems, but the fact that we're working in this collaborative environment on continuous improvement, I don't believe that we're ever going to stop pushing the limits when it comes to finding alternative ways to reduce our carbon footprint, reduce the amount of waste that we're landfilling. I think this is going to be a continuation for generations to come. And I think Gen Z's especially, you know, this is the up-and-coming consumer demographic between the ages of 12 and 25 right now. And you have to remember that these consumers are brought up on a completely different mindset in terms of the way that they look at consumer products and how they gather information. And they are much more in tune with actually making real, viable impacts on the environment. And brands need to respond to that, for sure. They are about 13% of the consumer market right now and they're only going to continue to grow. So I think you're going to see a lot of changes to the traditional way of handling packaging requirements. And I think we're also going to see just an enormous amount of innovation to continue. Well, Bill and Tom, I really appreciate you joining me today. Packaging is such a significant part of a successful brand strategy, and with current industry trends like sustainability taking hold, it's also a key element in a successful business strategy overall. The more the industry knows about what consumers are looking for, the better. Before we go, let's do a plug for both of you. Where can people find you, and where can people find your company? Well, to find us at any time, you can go to us online at mondychangestheview.com, and that really outlines our pet food packaging story. Or in addition to that, for sustainability or other information on Mondi, www.mondigroup.com is a great source with a lot of details of what's happened from a sustainability standpoint. 
Mondi has a 2030 sustainability plan called MAP 2030 that really outlines where we are as a company and what we're doing to work with brands to achieve their goals by 2030. In addition to that, we have a consultative process called Eco Solutions that really helps a brand deep dive into what we can do consultatively to help them achieve that without compromising on the consumer efficiency or any other aspect of their journey. You can find information about Freshlock at freshlock.com. There's a lot of great market segment information on there. We offer a very wide range of reclose features and there's a lot of important consumer infographic information on there about what closure option would be the best for your application. That's it for this episode of Trending Pet Food live from SuperZoo 2022. You can find us on PetFoodIndustry.com, SoundCloud, or your favorite podcast platform. You can also follow us on Instagram at Trending Pet Food Podcast. Once again, I'm Lindsay Beaton, your host and editor of Pet Food Industry Magazine, and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you.